Hello, and welcome back to the MindMeld PR vlog. Uh, we're doing something a little bit different today. We have a special guest. Um, so usually we, we go deep into a PR topic, um, but what's the purpose of PR? Well, one purpose is to get more credibility for your brand, so people are more willing to trust and buy from you. And PR, marketing, and sales are very much interlinked. So let's say you've done that. You've got increased visibility on your brand. It's a nice advantage to have when you're selling, but how do you sell? What are some useful high-level strategies for companies that are trying to do sales in an effective way? To answer that question, as I mentioned, I have a guest, Heidi Hamilton, a sales management consulting expert, the owner of Priority Solutions, and before we get to the meat of the discussion around sales strategy, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your origin story. How does one become an expert in sales? Okay, well, thank you very much, Jonathan, for having me at this time and um, sharing my insights and experience. Um, I, I really, I don't like the term export, expert because with sales, as, as you know, it's just ongoing learning, but um, it's learning through that constant experience. So my origin is, is quite interesting, actually. I was, if you had told me, let's say 20 years ago, in fact, somebody once said to me, you should be in sales. And I looked at them mortified because at the time I was a bean counter. I was financial manager for a large global organization called um, Electronic Data Systems, EDS. People might remember that as founded by Ross Perot and an outsourcing company. And I was financial manager and somebody went, you should be sales. And I was mortified, that's disgusting. Such a stigma, I would never do that. I kind of saw it as push and persuading and forcing somebody to buy something. So I really had that typical, stereotypical view of what sales was. As it happens, I was very privileged to my um, introduction to sales was through bid costing, through large scale um, deals, having to, basically create the structure of the deal. I then moved into bid management, which introduced me to sales process. Who'd have thought, <laughs> you know? Um, here I had this impression that really sales was about relationship and persuading somebody, and I was introduced to sales process, which really resonated with me. And from there on, I moved into business development and was lucky to see huge results because I was introduced to sales through sales process, not about personality or any of those other things. So that was my intro. I then moved on to um, do business development and then moved on to do sales directory for a um, technology company at this stage in South Africa. And then the 2000s happened. So, you know, companies wisened up and they said they were tired of being told by their IT managers that, um, you know, they knew everything and things like business analysts started to happen and people wanted to see return on investment for their IT spend. So a whole new world opened up and I realized there was a gap in that salespeople in the tech industry then really didn't know how to sell on a business level. They didn't know how to justify RII. So there was an enormous gap that I chose to take and introduce sales process and supporting people at that stage in the sales, in the technical industry, in the IT industry, um, to be able to sell at a business level and up-level themselves. So that was my intro to sales. 
um, and my own business. And I then decided to practice what I preach. Hence, I launched my own business at that stage in 2002 in South Africa. And then did the same thing in 2010 when I arrived at 2011 in Canada. So my experience comes from having done it myself and built my own business through these practices twice in two different countries. <laughs> so, and then I've moved to different industries, um, working with that. And my key thing is around how self, being very clear on sales strategy and process, how that'll show results. Well, that's quite the intro and there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I, I really liked how you talked about um, how you started off with, um, you know, understanding that there is a process to this that gets results and it's not about relying upon personality. And uh, I often am dealing with the same uh, widespread view of public relations that, oh, it, how you get results is you've got to have relationships with reporters already and you do, you know, you have lunches and you schmooze and that is, uh, that, that's what it's about. That's how you get your, your clients into the news. Um, and it's, it's totally not that. It's actually very much akin to a sales process. A lot of outreach, uh, a lot of strategy built in, uh, you're constantly refining tactics and, and your, your approach. Uh, you're constantly uh, researching to, to see how to approach this uh, from both a direct and indirect way. So we'll, we'll get into a lot of that. Um, and I think, um, you know, one of my questions um, was around, uh, you, you mentioned that people in the tech and industry uh, in particular have difficulties uh, understanding the, the process that's involved and, and um, how to build a uh, sales pipeline. And I, I thought that was interesting that you, you discussed that from a geographic perspective, uh, starting out in South Africa, I, I know there are challenges there where, you know, South Africa sort of has to uh, sell to the world. Uh, the, the companies there have to sell to the world and because it's uh, the, the local market isn't quite, isn't quite big enough. We face this, a similar challenge here in Canada where you have to go into the U.S., you have to go international, the domestic market isn't enough. Um, and maybe you can talk about that challenge uh, for you know, from a sales perspective? Um, yeah, you know, there absolutely are commonalities around that. But the key thing is around anything is the biggest issue that I see, or especially within the tech industry, is wanting to sell to everybody. So you just mentioned, you know, getting to PR. If there's a specific tech article, you're not going to submit that to Us Weekly, right? I'm, I'm hoping you're not submitting too much to Us Weekly, but I'm just, it's, it's about understanding what am I selling to whom, where is the need? So that qualifying out, I kind of look at it as managing risk, becomes the key because that defines how how large your market is, your total available market, your accessible market, understanding who your buyer is and why they would want that. It's the same as who would want to read this and who would want to share it. So for me, that really becomes when you're very clear on that, whereas uh, the biggest mistakes that I see that businesses and individual salespeople is what I call like a, a spray gun approach. 
they just sort of fire at everything and hoping it hits, right? Whereas if you're targeted and you're very particular about, as you say, you, you mentioned it, you do the research. Who would want this? Why? What, what are industries, what are particular companies currently doing now in that what is that those, the economic challenges or the technological challenges or um, whatever those challenges are unique to that geography or that sector or whatever it might be that I am able to solve. So regardless of the geographic location, yes, you've got to be culturally aware. You've got to realize that certain things don't apply in different environments. So you adapt accordingly. But generally speaking, the size of your market dictates who wants what you've got and is prepared to pay for it. I know that seems an oversimplification, but people who, who are not clear on that start sending people out, go forth and sell. They don't know what they're selling to whom and, and the impact that they're making. And regardless of your geographic and or industry sector, that I, I think is the biggest challenge. You know, it's interesting. There's so much uh, commonality there about doing your targeting correctly. Um, and, you know, I, for, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, it's very common to use um, press release distribution websites to, you can pay somewhere between, I, I think it's 750 bucks and 1200, depending on how big the list is, but you could send out your release, uh, just spam a uh, hundred thousand reporters. Um, but you're, you're sending out the exact same message. And I just, I've found far better results when you do your targeting. Uh, maybe you've got a, a 250 reporters, maybe you've got a list as small as a few dozen. And, but there are, there are reporters that would very much love the exactly the, the kind of story that you're putting in front of them. I feel like there's a lot of commonality there with, um, you know, I, I have a client who, uh, I, I won't mention any names, but, uh, you know, he, if he finds a list he can, he can spam with, he kind of wants to do that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I've, I've been trying to, um, you know, get him to be a bit more strategic in terms of, uh, how he targets and, and who he targets and, uh, and the messaging that goes into that. And it's, you know, it, it's a process. Yeah. And it's interesting you say that because I've got really good, um, let's just call it a, a study. And it was, it happened purely by default in terms of the finding. So you mentioned like, you know, a list that I can spam. We've got clients, LinkedIn is a perfect example. You know, a lot of people now use um, LinkedIn as a means of targeting and you can get LinkedIn helper. You can get all these things that you can, yes, I can get the email addresses and just send this blanket message, right? To a whole lot of people, create sales navigator, create this list, beautiful, just send it out. I just had a client who did that and literally, and I said to them, just take at this point, all I want is 20. All right, but you have to have, this is what you need to know, what the size of the industry, what there is, what's the most recent challenges. Like this involves a lot of work. Mm. It's exhaustive. It's much easier to get a contact list and send out a single email, let's be honest, right? Than to go and do all this exhaustive hard work. But the results were, they literally got two responses, all right, were blacklisted in some instances, and the other approach in rents literally where they had 20 and they did the thing, got 
four responses. Mm. Okay, and that's just to date over a period of about two months because it's been an iterative thing. But it's hard work to do it this way. And people want to find an easy, quick win. And people think sales is about, hey, if I know you and building relationships, but relationships get built by showing value. Very much so. Um, I, I think you hit on some, uh, a number of excellent points there. And, you know, just around targeting and, and the importance of messaging, even, even micro messaging for uh, individual uh, mm -hmm. prospects. And, you know, for, for those who are not familiar with the, uh, the sales process and, uh, you know, I, you, you can correct me, but uh, if, if I was going to describe it, it's most simplest uh, um, uh, process, uh, you know, the integration of, of marketing and sales. Marketing uh, tries to bring in leads and, and sales uh, tries to convert those leads into actual paying customers. Um, and depending on the type of business you're in, that can be a very, um, you know, how that actually works, it can work in a number of different ways. Um, I, I think one thing I, I wanted you to, to uh, one thing I, I wanted you to explain was um, just, let's say in, in the scenario of a company uh, that has recently gotten some good press, whether or not they had an actual PR campaign, maybe it was just a lucky day, the, the reporter calls them up and suddenly they've got some front page news in exactly the kind of um, publication that you'd want. Maybe it's a TV spot, a radio spot, and it's just, you know that it's hitting your, your target demographic and, and your, your CEO or whoever that was the, the stakeholder who was in front of the reporter, uh, they unloaded all of their talking points perfectly and it was a positive interview and you, you're hearing good feedback already. Um, now, um, the translation from a good news hit and, a, and sales results doesn't happen automatically. So how would you use that kind of an advantage of a sudden burst of, of PR, uh, a win? Well, firstly, I'd say, okay, who's that target audience of that publication? And I'd leverage that, right? You've already mm -hmm. invested in that. So who's the, who are the readers? And be doing the research around those readers, right? So if you can obtain access to who those readers are, and that's where things like marketing and sales, the integration of it in the digital strategies for me is so exciting because now you're looking at a retargeting. So what, a, what message resonated? What did I get out of that article and the feedback that I know resonated? So I create my retargeting around that message. Then I can create something like saying, okay, well, it's, maybe it's a, it's a specific topic that's shown interest um, and we're going to show ourselves as experts in that area and create a webinar and invite to a webinar. So there we're now creating a feed. All right, that our sales team can then use. So that's the beauty of it in terms of that integration of the sales and the digital marketing strategies and the PR. If they're all doing an isolation, it's like any kind of organization. You know, if ops isn't talking to sales, isn't talking to manufacturing, the company's not going to function efficiently and optimally. And the same thing is if you don't have a plan as a result of, okay, let's take this information, create a digital strategy around that, retargeting is part of that, maybe a, more publications on this topic so that we leverage it and then creating inbound funnel from that. And then you've got sales leads. 
and you've got a talking point. More importantly, when somebody when somebody comes to you, that salesperson has a talking point. What is it that interests? What for you specifically in your organization are you struggling with that this resonated, this webinar resonated with you? Hmm. There's a lot in there, uh, <laughs> and and uh, I, I think you know there, there's a lot of interesting uh, tactics and strategies people can pick up on uh, that that you mentioned there. Uh, but one thing I'd like to you I'd like you to explain um, is around the targeting and retargeting. So how that works, um, because um, I, I think a lot of companies struggle with in the first place with the targeting, and then uh, the retargeting part. Uh, I know a lot of companies are doing digital transformation and they're they're learning that part of it. But maybe you could explain how that part of the sales process is changing up. Okay, well, I, I kind of see that if you want to technically from a marketing point of view, but it's really about understanding the audience and you can get such powerful tools. Yeah, I'm a data junkie, right? For me, if you don't have the data and you don't have the, the information to make that decision on, you're flying blind. So it's about when you're going to target, it's like, okay, so I know that the average audience of this particular publication, for instance, is between, you know, be it 30 to 49, C-suite level, whatever those demographics, making sure they align to your target audience. All right. Then what other publications do they read? All right. And then what message resonated there? Because we know that, basically you will see that the data reflects that a common theme starts to emerge. So if for instance, Jonathan Norvay, I know he reads ink.com, right? And this particular article was the struggling PR industry with you know, all these multiple channel distributions of spamming, all right? And, I and I've got a specific tool that happens to address that and I've, I write an article in that and I can know that, okay, this is the kind of feedback, it elicits commentary, it elicits engagement, um, you know, X number of people read it. You've got all that data mm. and you can use that to say, okay, well, you know, 80% of the Inc.com readers actually also read McKinsey. Great time to actually get my, my brand and my company in front of that and invite to the next level of conversation around this. Mm. So that's the targeting versus retargeting. I don't just mean Google ads popping up in every single <laughs> different subscription that you can't. I mean targeting, which in the technical sense, and retargeting the same audience within the same genre and area of interest. Well, this all makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I think that really broke down well, the whole targeting versus retargeting. It, it's, a, it's, it's a new... I, I guess, you know, yeah, it's, it's a relatively new kind of a thing that has been able enabled now because we have data, we can, we can see the data. And I know you're, you're totally data driven in what you do. Um, I think uh, maybe you could speak to uh, some of the challenges that can come up with uh, creating a sales process, whether it is in terms of, well, just getting people to follow the process uh, or, you know, sort of personnel management. What, what makes for a, an effective uh, sales team? 
So for me, first of all, you've got to obviously have the right people. And I look at it and people say, you know, oh, he's a great salesperson, you know, um, he can sell sand in Egypt or whatever. I'm going, well, Egypt doesn't need sand. So that's not a great salesperson. So the first thing is understanding what kind of individual you're looking for and the right thing. I, I speak to people all the time and they go, well, I want them to manage some accounts, but they must also do new business development. Fail 101. In all seriousness, find the right person for the right focus. Are they doing new business? What does that look like? Are they doing account management? What is the growth? If we're doing 10 million with this account per year and we want to get to 20, they're responsible for the difference between that 10 and 20. If we want new business in a new sector of X million, that's two very separate, separate functions and focus. So focus and finding the right people in terms of a new business person is very focused and wired very differently to an account management. So understanding what those roles are, once again, aligned to who am I targeting and what do I want to achieve? So I always say, if you don't have a sales operating plan to go, okay, we want to achieve X percent growth with this product in this region, take the time, invest in creating that sales operating plan. It might shift and it might change. And then you take best practice around sales process, right? Everybody knows that it doesn't matter. There's Sandler, there's Spin, there's a whole lot of really, and it, you know, and whatever resonates with you. But at the end of the day, best practice needs to be adapted to your organization and your selling thing. So yes, we know we've always got to get to the decision maker. We know this, that's best practice. But how many times do we really get to the decision maker? All right, as opposed to get to the gatekeeper level, if you're selling, for instance, learning and development, you know, you get stuck at HR and they key to the decision making process, but they're not making the decision. So it's creating a sales process that incorporates that and allows for that. And then literally seeing, you might say, okay, as we go through the funnel, we know at the top of the funnel, we've got X amount and these are the people and we flow through. And for me, it's about the outcomes. It only moves down the chain, moves from lead into what I call opportunity when I have identified more than, I'm using an example here, three decision makers because that's relevant. Um, I've had those conversations. I have asked these questions, which we've defined as an organization that we need to know, and I've got these answers. And this is where the CRM is so beautiful because it can really support you in doing that. If you are positioning this with your team as an administration and policing thing, you, you're not going to get any adoption or traction. But if you work with them in behavioral way and they start to see the results, and those are very clearly defined metrics and activities. And when we say, hey, that's at a that's at um, desire stage, which we know is the 25%, everybody's talking the same language. Desire means I've done this, I've spoken to this, I've validated this, and I've created a whole lot of opportunity qualification tools that we can literally score where we are in that opportunity because it's about managing the risk. And that then leads back to the pipeline. So if I've got 10 million in the pipeline, and over time, I can know that, you know, six million of that's going to come through in this particular thing, because historically, we've now been so clear about what it is that has happened at that stage, we've managed the risk. So it all, yes, there's a lot to unpack there, but it all is really important because it's an integral system that if you're only doing one or the other, you're once again operating in isolation. So the sales funnel what the criteria are at each stage of the opportunity, what you need to do to manage your risk, all right, so that you're not 
you know, oh, it's got lost at the last stage. I lost on price. I have once out of, and I'm not exaggerating when I say I've done about 350 loss reviews. Once a client said to me, okay, or a client's client, potential client said to me, no, I lost it on price. In every other instance, it was, did not listen to what I said. Software tech, they wanted me to pay 10 million for something that I was going to use 2 million on. They didn't yeah. listen to what my real requirements are. So all those elements help you manage that sales process. I, I love how you've broken down um, in this sales process that you are trying to manage your risk versus, and uh, I, I mean, another way to phrase it would be, uh, you know, increase your wins, but that's not actually, that doesn't quite mean the same thing in that, it, I, I feel like it's harder to replicate a win, you know, do the exact same thing, uh, um, you know, that, that's going to work in the exact same way for a different client at a different company in a different industry with different challenges versus reducing the number of uh, unforced errors uh, that, that, you know, could creep into your system. And, and it's about uh, I feel like there's low hanging fruit there in, in managing risk. Absolutely. And it, it does, it converts to much the same because it's where am I focusing? You know, I've got to learn to qualify out as effectively as I qualify in and move stuff forward. So where am I focusing that's going to get the best return? And if I'm managing risk, I'm asking myself, what haven't I done? I always say to the salespeople, this is asking yourself the really hard questions. And salespeople are optimists, and we need to be. We live in a life of no. We live a life of no's, getting rejection. You know, we need to be optimists. But the other side of that is we kind of tell ourselves a, a few things that we want to hear, right, to make ourselves feel better. So at the end of the day, it's asking myself the hard questions. Have I done this? If I haven't, that's fine. Guess what? I know what my next step is to move this deal forward incrementally when we look at it as too big a picture and we don't know where to start so the process helps you say what don't i know mm, i don't know who actually heads up you know it in that division or i don't know who the corresponding c-suite of it oh, well that's my next step i need to find that out very simple next step very good very good i i feel like we've provided provided here a lot of rules of the road in this conversation things to things you should be doing things maybe you shouldn't be doing um and uh, by the way this is of course uh I'm, I'm going to avail myself of all this knowledge for free so uh, thank you for that <laughs> um, what it's there for uh i i guess you know one thing about rules of the road is sometimes it's hard for people to visualize. I know that you have um, helped many different kinds of companies, some from, you know, right from the start, you're the one uh, building up that uh, process and that team and the strategy and all the pieces. And uh, I, I also know that you've sort of been the, the rescue team uh, in, in, in a few cases. Uh, and believe me, I can relate. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I was wondering if there was a, a particular uh, experience you wanted to share of uh, where a company had been struggling, their approach wasn't working, um, and uh, you, you can show how your approach to uh, process and being data-driven 
uh, help turn things around for that company. And, and I should say, you don't have to name names because I'm no. sure there's, you know, there's rules around that, but go, yeah. go ahead. Well, there's, I've actually got two examples. One is a, um, you know, relatively, and it's a client that it's been my client for a very long time now, but this was approximately five years ago, um, maybe even six actually, when I first engaged and they were, sales were just declining. And in fact, they called me in to say, we, we don't know. We just don't know, you know, and and, and I'll never forget he, the, um, the executive turned around and said, I hate not knowing. I, I don't know what I don't know. And I need to know what I don't know, which was, and what, it was pretty simple at the time. I mean, I say pretty simple, it was a smaller company, you know, around about the, 10 to 15 million mark and they'd kind of been cruising a wave you know so it had been opportunistic and now it was like where to from here and they were showing the decline and all it was is they had the wrong people in the wrong seats they had people that had kind of grown organically with a company that were salespeople, and you know with the shift and the change and so we just literally shifted from outbound strategy to inbound strategy to creating digital to implementing online um, initiatives, all right, that, so that made them look like the front runner, and we created a system, they didn't have a process, they didn't have the simplest things on, you know, how many people have I spoken to, and where are they on, you know, on, on, in the pipeline kind of thing, in terms of how, how can I ensure that X number of people are going to actually be registering for this particular event? They had no way of actually managing and knowing that. So that was a real, so it was very simple in creating, um, and I say very simple, it was only simple because the executive were totally bought into and committed to making the change. And they weren't looking for quick miracle wins. So, what I have found is that people come in and they've let it, they've ignored it and ignored it. And then it's like, create a miracle. In the next two weeks, create a miracle. You know, uh, you've got a sales cycle of potentially four to six months. Why hasn't anything happened in the last month? <laughs> kind of thing. And it's, you know, it's like anything. You've got to, if you're, if you're at the other side of the bell curve, it's going to dip a bit before it goes up, right? So working through that is probably the toughest thing in terms of maintaining faith. I, I can so relate to that issue of what have you done for me lately? <laughs> After you've knocked things out of the park and then a couple weeks pass and well, it's a new month, so yeah. what, what have we done? Uh, and yeah, of course, every new campaign needs, a, you know, you're, you're not gonna go from zero to 60 in, in, in two seconds every time. Um, so that's part of the process. Um, yeah. So I think that that really uh, broke down well. Uh, you know the value of uh, you know taking a uh, uh, an approach where you look deeply at what is the exact challenge here and uh, where are we not looking? What what's not what's not working? How can we fix this? And just being very practical about whether it's a change of process, a change of people. Um, you have to really drill down. Mm. It's, and it's, it's the hard stuff, you know, and that's honestly, it's the pain of change. Anybody's selling the pain of change. So is somebody invested in going through that pain to see the results is for me what I work with and say, okay, is this, are they invested in this? Is it important enough? Or 
does the platform have to be burning before somebody? And that's the qualification in and out process that, you know, good salespeople over time get to really manage well. Well, that's an excellent uh, thought, I think, to, to land on. Um, Heidi, once again, it has been a pleasure speaking with you ag again. Uh, if, if you've been listening, you've been listening to the MindMeld PR vlog. And uh, I've been talking with Heidi Hamilton from Priority Solutions. Um, Heidi, if someone wanted to um, look you up, uh, contact you, uh, find out more about what you do, where would they find you? They could find me either on LinkedIn under Heidi Hamilton or Priority Solutions, either one, um, or my website, www.priority-solutions.net. But LinkedIn's probably easier under Heidi Hamilton. <laughs> it's less to remember. Um, feel, feel free to, to reach out to me there. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for taking the time today to speak with me. Um, I'll have a few things. We'll, we'll have a little chat after this. Um, but uh, yeah, this is, um, this is me signing off. Uh, thank you very much for listening and have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks, Jonathan.